Welcome to the family with very little family here. <laughs> the but, majority. It's just, yeah, true. But we do have me, Alex Brampernard Rasmussen. Andy Brampernard. And Mike Bryant. The return of Mike Bryant. <laughs> and we have some guests coming up, so we will be right back. Do we want to do a live ad or? Uh, yeah. Did you want to do one, Alex? <laughs> yeah. Did you get stung by a wasp lately? <laughs> Unfortunately, the wasp doesn't have insurance, so we can't bring a claim. So I'll get calls sometimes from people who hit deer or, or things that happen with animals, and they don't. There's no claim because you can't do yeah. anything. But when you're in a car and you hit a deer, there is no fault coverage. So it's worth calling someone to find out what rights you have because no fault pays your medical bills and your wage loss. So there is those type of things. Mm. And what I tell people is I talk to them all the time. So if someone calls me even with stuff like a wasp stung me and I want to bring a claim um, you know I don't make fun of them I talk to them I explain yeah. to them and you know I, one of my most interesting phone calls was a woman that called me that was just so upset at her of her phone call she's like I've called so many lawyers and nobody's helped me I'm like I've been on the phone with you for 20 minutes you just didn't like my help Yeah, and she was like Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So I think I actually did help her, yeah, even like though it's I wasn't just able not, to get her money. It's not that you so, what you wanted, but it's... If you want to know your rights, give a call. Bradshaw and Bryant, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, 800-770-7008. Walzer.com. <laughs> Tommy, it's quiz time. Ooh, I love quiz time. Let me guess. Breck called and they want their diploma back. Easy. I earned that fair and square. In fact, it's right... Ah, well, look what you made me do. Sorry. So what's the question? So you've heard about the new car inventory shortages, right? Yeah, you've mentioned it about a million times. Guess how many 2021 Rogues we have in stock at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan? Mm, seven. Close. The actual number is 209. A lot of Nissan dealers are really low, but we're in good shape for the next month or so. So there's no reason to hurry? That's not great messaging. How about don't dawdle? There's a word you don't hear often there, Monty Burns. Yeah, funny. Anyway, the all-new 2021 Rogue is a great vehicle, and we're lucky enough to have a bunch. We've got great leases, and they all come with Walzer Care, which is a 10-year warranty for free. But wait, there's more. Read this. Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan want your trade and will give you an extra $1,000. That's pretty cool. Go to Coon Rapids Nissan or WalzerNissan.com for details. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. Welcome back to the show. Without Tom. Without Catherine. (laughs) We do have Mike Bryant back. Yep. And we also have Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus from The Minimalists. How are you doing today? Hey there. How are you there? Apparently not great. Josh? They Ryan. have to increase their volume. What's <laughs> going on here? Oh, no. Oh. Hmm. They disappear? Well, they should be on. Hello? Oh, they can't hear us. Oh. They can't hear us. broken again. One second. Please hold. Well, they're promoting a book. Love people, use things, because the opposite never works. So not use people, love things? Ha ha, I get it. 
That is a nice, that is an interesting way I don't to know. It's a good good title. Oh, things are broken. Yes, they sure are. Oh boy. I guess it's good dad's not here. <laughs> yeah, he'd be <laughs> Oh boy. I don't know why. I think our phone hybrid is just not working well, anymore. Well, why don't you talk to them on the phone and tell them that we can try again? Uh yeah, I might have to. Well, this is exciting yeah. hearing well, by Well, I'll tell my... Oh. It's fixed. It is? It's fixed? It's fixed. Okay. Okay. You can hear us now, Josh and Ryan, yes? No. Oh, okay. I guess not. <laughs> wow. This is great. Tell your story. I'll, say, and, I'll tell and, my wasp sting story while Andy tries to fix the phone. Um, How about this? <laughs> well, on Saturday, I was out for a there run. There we go. Oh. I'm fairly sure. Okay, how about now? Ryan and Josh, can you hear us? Howdy. Yeah. There, there we are. At last. Okay. We were having trouble with our phone. Sorry Someone for the delay. Someone bumped a dial and uh, I don't know who or when, but As I do adjust many dials. Technology is that we, way we sometimes. We did not minimalize the amount of dials that we have. <laughs> oh, God. We're living in the future, y'all. Yeah, we truly are. Well, welcome, Josh and Ryan. You're promoting your book, Love People, Use Things, Because the Opposite Never Works, which is, you know, very true. <laughs> you, you know, it's fascinating. We, we wrote the book because we found that for a long time we were using people and loving things. And, man, what a failed equation that is. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a Netflix documentary, The Minimalists, and you have a podcast yeah, a as well. Of documentaries on Netflix as well, yeah. Oh, you have a couple? This just says The Minimalists. What other ones do you have? We have one called Minimalism, uh, a documentary about the important thing. I've seen that. That was the earlier one. Yes. I saw that after you I've seen it, talked about it. And yep. it's so good. And I've talked about it on the show before. And I watched it with my husband. And I'm one of those people. So I have two children. And when I was pregnant with my first, I read Marie Kondo, The Life Changer Magic of Tidying Up. And I got rid of seven carloads full of stuff. <laughs> seven carloads. Wow. Yeah. And then I, yeah. And then I watched your movie and it kind of like kept the train going. And since then, I've really appreciated minimalism and with kids it's so easy to just get tons of stuff so I am an audience Amen. member that truly appreciates what you've done so thank you well thank thanks you. for sharing that I mean, that's why we do it we, uh, we love hearing those experiences and yeah, love, love helping people out yeah it's great and what do you so you have a podcast as well we do we have a we do. podcast called The Minimalist, and yeah, we take questions, have different topics, have guests, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what ways do you find, each of you, that minimalism kind of changed your life more so than just having less stuff? Like, what are the biggest impacts it's made in other ways? You know, I think well, yeah, at its fundament, decluttering doesn't work, and, and that's one of the things I learned early on, is it doesn't work alone, as I should say. If you have too much stuff, and I sent you a video of the seven ways to declutter your closet, I mean, that's not really going to help, right? The problem isn't a shortage of decluttering tips. Everyone knows how to declutter their closet. 
That's easy. The, the problem is our attachment stuff. You know, the average American household has 300,000 items in it. We've got a lot of stuff. Well, why do we have so much stuff? Because we've been sold this meme that if I buy the right things at the right time, then I'm going to be successful and success equals happiness. Well, that, that's a type of chase, and it's a fruitless pursuit because we end up making ourselves miserable with our stuff. It'd be great if all the things that we bought were making us more joyous, more content, whatever. Ryan and I aren't against stuff. And we're not even against consumption. We all need some stuff. The problem is compulsory consumption, the ideology of consumerism, thinking I need to own certain things in order to fit in with other people. It's spending money I don't have to buy things I don't need to impress people I don't even know. And, and so we have a lot of stuff as a result. So the only way to really get rid of that stuff and keep it out is to understand the benefits. And so the question we always start with is how might your life be better with less? And by people identifying the answers to that question, that's the sort of why-to side of things. The how-to side of things ends up taking care of itself. So I know that a big part of, yeah, so decluttering is one thing, but then when you're out and you're shopping, because most people's brain, you know, the whole target... spiral you go into target for grapes and then you end up buying two t-shirts a pair of sneakers and like a shower caddy (laughs) and you're like i didn't need any of these things and so it's going into the store and being like this is actually what i need and where's the balance between because there is that you know dopamine rush that people can get by just buying something that they don't really need but it makes them happy and then they can use it a lot so where's the balance between buying things that you actually don't necessarily need but will use and you will find joy in but not absolutely necessary yeah i mean the, the average the average american has 300,000 items in their house so we definitely have too much stuff and we definitely need to find that balance i mean something that that i always ask myself before i bring it into my life is you know i ask myself is this thing going to add value my life and and to me that means is it going to serve a purpose or is it going to bring me joy and you know i wish i could sit here and and tell everyone hey you know if you uh you watch your documentaries you read our books you're never going to want to buy anything again and you're going to find that perfect balance but you know this is something that i still struggle with today where you know when the new iphone comes out or whatever the new gadget comes out it's shiny i have that impulse to buy it but because I've been working for the last 10, uh, actually, I guess 12 years on living deliberately and bringing things in deliberately, I can really kind of hold space with those impulses and, and act in a way that I know is going to help me live a meaningful life. Well, that makes sense. Don't buy things that you don't need. That's the key to life, pretty much. <laughs> How much comes it's hard into... for us to really identify what, what we do and we don't need, right? One of the rules yeah. we have in the book, Love People Use Things, we have these 16 rules for living with less. And one of the rules in there is the no junk rule. So if you take all of those 300,000 items that you might own, and, and it's not like you, that, that this is a judgment. We're not all hoarders, right? But we just own a lot of stuff. It accumulates over the years. Everything you own, though, it can fit in one of three piles, and that's really where the new the no junk rule comes in. It's either essential, non-essential, or junk. Now, we all know what is truly essential in our lives. We need food, shelter, clothing, etc. But in the second category, the non-essential, those are the things, as Ryan said, that add value to our lives. They amplify our lives. They enhance our life in some way. 
you may not truly need a bed frame, but if it adds value to your life, it's not up to me to say, no, don't, don't have that. It's not essential. Well, no, we're, we're not against the, those things. It's not about depriving yourself. Unfortunately, most of the things we own fit into that third category. Most of our things are junk, and they're masquerading as though they're adding value, but you're walking out of Target with those seven different items. The reason you bought those things is because you told yourself a story that they would add value to your life in some non-existent hypothetical future. We all tell ourselves that story, and we tell ourselves that story enough it becomes reaffirmed, and we think it's true in our heads, although, of course, the results are always the opposite. We buy those things because we don't think about the true cost of our things. Yes, there's a price tag for that shower caddy or whatever you purchase. But what about the cost of storing the thing, cleaning the thing, uh, 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 whatever whatever other costs that are going to be embedded in our things, worrying about the things, the psychological costs of our things are overwhelming. And so the true cost of a thing goes way beyond the price tag, replacing the thing, painting the thing, all of these other costs that we have to think about before we acquire a thing because not acquiring the thing is simply letting it go in advance how much comes into play with other with things you get from other people you know kids get from their parents you know people get given you know by other people how do you guys deal with you know that kind of accumulation of stuff Mm, yeah you know for me like i really try to go out of my way to uh, set, you know, different expectations with friends or family who, who want to buy me things. Um, you know, and I encourage people, if they want to get me a gift, you know, give me something that's a, a consumable or, or maybe it's an experience or maybe it just, you know, give me your time. We can go watch a, a, a sunset or something. But, yes, it is, it is a, a problem, I know, especially for big families where uh, they, they want uh, their friends and family want to get them a bunch of gifts for their kids. And, yeah, they, they end up with a lot of stuff but here's here's the way i kind of look at it you know once you you kind of voice to your friends and family what those expectations are and, and, and asking them you're not really telling them no don't buy me things you're saying yes here's what i would appreciate but ultimately you know when they give you those things they are your things so you get to do with them whatever you want um i know for me like when, when my mom buys me something um, if it's something that I can't use, I will just say to her, like, hey, I, you know, I really, I really appreciate you showing me love. I, I know that you're doing this because you care about me. But what I did with that thing is I, I went and I found it a, a better home. And, you know, my, my mom and I, I mean, because, you know, I spent the last 10 or 11 years developing a good relationship with her, we can, you know, we can have honest conversations. But, but yeah, I mean, ultimately what I'll say is if someone buys you something that you don't want, they want you to be happy, right? That's why they bought you that thing. But if you would be happier without that thing, then then yeah, find a better home for it. Well, and there's so there's hardly ever any follow up of like, oh, that toy I got your yeah. child, where is it at? Yeah. Can I see them play with it? You know, like I because <laughs> I have well, yeah. For I, me, it's I just have a hard time getting rid of gifts because it just feels like you know someone went out of their way to give this to me so you know i ought to keep it around just out of respect for the person that's how yeah i felt that way for a really long time until i had kids and then yeah there's just you know this five dollar little yeah piece of crap you don't need to keep that for the rest of your life and you just get so many i mean even at my baby shower when i was pregnant with my first it was like i got i think 25 baby blankets yeah 
because everybody apparently was just like, well, this is the only thing you need for your baby. Let's all buy our baby blankets. And I, you know, kept three of them and went, oh, they dear. They been the animal towels. <laughs> those towels were actually awesome. We used those baby towels. No one gave us any baby towels. It was all blankets. Well, anyway, someone did. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I used to think, I can't get rid of this. I'll just keep it in the basement because somebody cared so much to buy mm-hmm. this for me. And now I'm like, nope, right into the, I don't even take it out of the package sometimes. I'm just like right into the donation pile. And I always have this big donation pile in our garage that, you know, every month or so I bring and give stuff away because of just going through my stuff and thinking about do I need this and stuff that we are given and you know post before Christmas we go through things and my kids birthdays are two weeks apart so there's these two breaks in the year where I'm like okay we need to get rid of some stuff yeah we have we have yeah, a few I mean, rules think- in the book we have a, a gift giving rule and a gift getting rule and okay. one of the things that because we don't want to be, oh, here's the minimalist guys again, and they're saying bah humbug to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? we, we say yes to the more appropriate gifts. So Ryan mentioned consumables or experiences. And so saying yes, setting that expectation early on, but also the gift giving. You have to ask yourself, we've, we've been told this lie of, well, gift giving is my love language. What nonsense is that? That's like saying pig Latin is a romance language. <laughs> so what what we really mean is contribution. The the desire to serve others is a love language. I'm all for that. Well, what is the best way to serve someone? Is it with a seven dollar widget from CVS that you bought at the last minute on yeah. the way to the kid's birthday party? Of course not. And so what we're for is buying thoughtful gifts, contributing to people in different ways. It doesn't have to be a physical item. And if, even if it is a physical item, it could be something that is a consumable that will add value to someone's life. Otherwise, it's just thoughtless consumption. Yeah, and there are so many gifts, you know, if you actually think about it, I have friends, for most of the people, my kids had a birthday party, and I said to most people, no gifts. They don't need a thing. Just you coming to the party is great. That's all we need. But some people were like, well, I need to buy him something. And then I had this one friend buy my daughter a star, you know, like this is her star in the sky. And then she donated money so a family in Mm. some country could have chickens. And I'm like, these are such great things that, you know, it's, there was thought put into it and it's very sweet and you felt you needed to give my children something, but now there's not this thing that I need to just keep in my house because I feel guilty. And that's another thing that I've learned through going into minimalism a bit is, asking for things ahead of time like before my kids birthdays i will message somebody that i know you know like grandma always wants to get them birthday gifts and i'm like a zoo pass for the year would be great and then it cuts out the well what should i get them i just should go to target and look around and just buy them something oh well no they'll like this whatever toy and so it makes it easier for everybody which is without a doubt the thing about about setting those expectations early on, you're you're kill you're killing Godzilla when he's a baby. You're not waiting till he's taking over the city, right? Mm-hmm. And so, with the kid's birthday party, if we're not setting those expectations in advance, you know, people often will call into the Minimalist Podcast and, and they'll ask us questions, and it will be December twenty second, and they're saying, "How do I handle Christmas?" <laughs> and it's like, well, well, wait a minute, like the the stage is already set. You, 
what we need to do is start looking forward to Christmas next year at this point, and then in January, February, somewhere around there, begin planting these seeds of expectations that will grow throughout the year. Again, not saying no to people, but telling them what you're saying yes to. So much, it's so important to, to frame it that way. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. And then for one of the things that I learned through gift giving to my own children is there's this rule. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's something you want, something you need, something to wear and something to read. And so for each Christmas and each birthday, we just give our kids four things. And I usually have some difficult with one of the difficulties. Oh, something you want. I'm like, they want everything. everything. I, I can get them, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's really nice because then it sets this framework and especially for me and my husband where it's like, okay, the four things, where does, does this fit into it? Does this work? Is, does this make sense? And then it keeps me from just buying a bunch of stuff that they're just going to be dumping out everywhere because they're trying to find this other toy because the more stuff kids have, the less they care about it, it seems. And I mean, I feel like that's with everybody, you know, if you just have tons and tons of stuff, you're not going to care as much about it because you can just replace it with something else or buying a new one isn't a big deal and you don't put that much thought into it. So I feel like a really big part of minimalism that people don't think about as much is you really care about what you do own. It's not just like, well, I just don't want tons of stuff. It's like, I want to value what I have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if everything is precious to us, then nothing is precious at all. True. And what I love about what you're talking about is you're talking about these boundaries that you set up for your gift-giving rules. And that's really what minimalism uh, helps people do. It's a tool that helps people to set up those boundaries. It makes me think of our 30-30 rule where we have a rule where, where if something costs uh, $30 or more, we wait 30 hours before we purchase it because what we're doing is we're creating a little bit of friction because it's so easy right now with the one-click buy and mm. things getting delivered uh, in some cities in the same day. It's so easy. It's, it's, it's frictionless. But, of course, if we don't have any friction in our lives, well, then it's kind of like being on an ice skating rink uh, with, with shoes on and you're just kind of going everywhere. So those boundaries really help creates a little friction and helps people to be a little bit more deliberate. Do we need to take a commercial break? Uh, yeah, I think we do. All right, well, why don't we take a break, and then we will be right back. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, president at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we provide a unique experience for our business banking customers that can't be found at the big banks. Our customers appreciate our high-touch, high-tech approach where they get all the benefits of working with a local bank. Our team will get to know your business and its unique challenges while still offering all of the online and mobile banking options you will find at the big banks. Also, when your business banks with North American Banking Company, you'll be working with an experienced team of lenders who know this marketplace and will be ready to help your business capitalize on any opportunity or solve any problem. You add it all up, North American Banking Company is a better banking experience. <clears throat> Excuse me, you uh, do mind if I jump in here? Well, Tommy, if you feel the need, go ahead. 
Amateurs. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Dan Chesky is here from Dan Southside Marine to talk boats in February. 2021 is all about boat inventory or the lack thereof. Dan's has what you're looking for in the color and model you want. So get in and take advantage of the factory incentives and discounts February offers. Why should our listeners shop for a fishing boat at Dan's Southside Marine? We have the latest models on display, like the new Revolution. It features rotational seating from Premier Marine and the new Lumacraft FSX crossover fish and ski. Both are getting tons of attention and grabbing sales from the competition. Dan's Southside Marine is packed with pontoons from Avalon, Berkshire, and Premier with all the rebates and incentives we mentioned at the top. Get the family out this weekend and come see these amazing pontoons. And be sure to ask about custom-rigged Alumacraft fishing boats this weekend at Dan's Southside Marine during our February open house. Dan's Southside Marine, six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Shop online at danssouthsidemarine.com. Hey, it's Tom again for my good friends at Profile. You've heard me talk about the terrific experience I've had working with my profile health coach, Danette, Dan Kelly. It's not just because I've lost weight and kept it off. It's because there's so much more to losing weight than simply stepping on a scale. Profile makes sure I'm in it for the long haul. It's about getting to your goal and staying there. That's why Profile provides members like me so many great tools to keep it off like monthly health seminars, 3D body scans, an exercise app, a terrific podcast, cookbooks, and so much more. Matter of fact, I'm going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Can't say enough about Profile. It's changed my life, and it can change yours, too. Profile has six metro locations, as well as Mankato, St. Cloud, and Rochester. Make today the day you call them or visit ProfilePlan.com for a location near you. That's ProfilePlan.com. Oh, and mention promo code KQRS for a special discount. ProfilePlan.com. That's ProfilePlan.com. Welcome back to the family. We are interviewing the minimalists, and Mike Bryant has a great question. So, well, um, <laughs> what uh, what do you see the biggest differences in on, in the book versus the two videos and the new video versus the first video? Yeah, so both films were, were appreciably different. One was a, an expansive look at minimalism. It was called minimalism. So we had minimalist architects, minimalist thinkers, minimalist philosophers, uh, a bunch of different people who... who, who we're looking at minimalism from different approaches. Uh, the, the second one was more about minimalism as a lifestyle. We interviewed 30 different everyday minimalist people who were inspired by the first film to simplify their own lives. But in terms of the book, this is where we really dive deep. And we've talked about some things in this book that we've never really talked about before. If anything, it's a vehicle to help people through a lot of the shame that they're dealing with, whether it's relationship shame or it is shame with respect to their stuff or their finances. We talk about in the book is is really healing our relationship with our stuff, our relationship with, with our money, our relationship with ourselves, so that we can have better relationships with the people around us. Hmm. So, where's the shame coming on the the money with getting more stuff? Yeah, it's all related, right? I mean, we we have we have so many things because we're spending a lot of money. Back in the, my corporate days, I made really good money but I spent even better money, so I had heaps of debt. In fact, at one point at my, at my nadir, I had almost half a million dollars worth of debt, and 
it's not that I was, wasn't making enough money. It's that I was reckless with the resources I have. There's nothing wrong with, with making money. We're not demonizing money. We're not demonizing stuff. The problem is the reason we're so discontent, the reason we have disrupted our peace, there's a lot of chaos in our lives, is the decisions we make every day because we have a misunderstanding of the things that are going to bring us joy. And so it really starts with our, our decision to better understand the, the things that we bring into our life. You know, the things aren't going to make us happy. They can merely amplify our experience of life. They can enhance our experience of life. But they can't. In fact, the pursuit of happiness is often the problem. And it's in the fabric of, of our country. And we, we talk about the pursuit of happiness. But happiness can't be pursued. It can't be purchased. It can merely be uncovered. It is the default state. Unfortunately, we cover it up with a lot of materialistic clutter. It costs us a lot of money, but it also costs us a lot more than money. Hmm. What's the name of the book? It's called Love People Use Things Because the Opposite Never Works. And where can it be found? Anywhere where books are sold. Your, lo- your local Wendy shop, your, your local library, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Well, the way you talk, uh, it often reminds me of, I'm not a Buddhist myself, but I've kind of done study into it, and it definitely sounds a lot like the uh, kind of core tenets, the, the four truths that kind of like, uh, you know, embody the religion, and based, mostly the second and third ones, which basically say that uh, all suffering comes from wanting things. So if you can get rid of want, which as a human you can't, but you can try your best, and once you've gotten rid of all want, then you will not have any more suffering. And minimalism kind of sounds like a way to get into that mindset, is want less, suffer less, basically. Attachment suffering, that's for sure. Exactly, yeah. So we, yeah, we, we, we are suffering... You know, there are two types of suffering, really. There's suffering from the past to the future, and there's suffering in the present. Usually we're suffering our past, so the decisions we've made in the past, the, the things we've heaped onto ourselves, or we're suffering the future. We're worrying about the things that have never happened and, and very likely aren't going to happen. We're, we're really, really good at that. Yeah, and I know that one pretty well. a future that doesn't exist. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Unfortunately, but, uh, well, minimalism can't help you not worry about the future, but it can help you not worry about the present so much. And, Alex, you were talking about getting rid of truckloads of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, my wife and I have moved twice. Well, we're going to move twice for the second time in the next month. And each time we've moved, we've gotten rid of, I can't, I would, if I had to guess, I would say probably, like, 10 or 15 large moving boxes worth of stuff. We just give them all the goodwill, get rid of tons and tons and tons of stuff. And yet we still have more. Every time we open a new door, it's, oh, we don't need this. Put it in a new donation box. Well, you've always been, I'm, Andy is my brother. And so, you know, we've grown up in the together and seeing how each other changes and stuff throughout our lives. And you've always had an attachment, more um, emotional attachment to stuff. I have kept every card I have been given for the past 15 years. Wow. Yep. <laughs> and that's where that, that that thing comes from that I was talking about where it's like, you know, 
you get a gift, you don't want to throw it away because it's a gift, even though technically 90% of the time it's not really like something super thoughtful. It's just like, you know, oh, it's your birthday, I got to get you something. But, you know, people tend to see it in a different way. But I have been trying to get better at that, especially I'll find things in my house that I was given, you know, 10 years ago. I never used it once. It's like it's, you know, it's time to get rid of it, I think, at that point. And there are so many different ways of kind of teaching yourself or kind of persuading yourself to get rid of things. You know, I've heard of things like turn every hanger in your closet, turn everything backwards that's hanging in your closet and whatever you haven't taken out purposefully and worn in six months, every hanger that's still backwards, you should get rid of that. Oh, that makes you sense. know, and there are all these, I feel like there are all these little life hacks of yeah. like trying to get rid of stuff. But you two are talking about, you know, the core of... Well, don't get it in the first place. Yeah, and value and thinking about things. <laughs> yeah. and That's the best way to declutter is to yeah. get rid of all of your stuff. That is true. An ounce <laughs> of prevention and all yeah, that. Yeah, what's funny about the, the whole idea of letting go, right? We, we think of letting go as something we do, but letting go isn't something you do. Letting go is something you stop doing. Yeah, you stop pretending true. that everything is precious. You stop clinging to all those material possessions and toxic relationships. You, you stop acting like busy is a good thing. You stop posturing as if uh, achievements make you who you are as a person. Because if you let go of just the thing but not the attachment, you're going to get dragged. Yeah, that is true. And that's, yeah. It's basically what I was just talking about, my uh, issue with attachment. But I have gotten better with that, I think. Although you got around coming with that baby that you're going to learn. Yeah. I oh, know. I know. His wife posted on Facebook, like, what are the things that I need for my baby? And I messaged her immediately when I saw it. I was like, don't fall into the trap. I'm like, everyone mm-hmm. will tell you that you need, need, need all this stuff. And my baby wouldn't That's sleep. Right. And this happened. And you yeah. need this diaper cream, like, brush or whatever. And it's just like, you don't need hardly anything, especially for a baby baby. But you can get lots yeah. you know you can get 17 swings because who knows what you might sure work can, yeah. you can get all the different there's like 30 different types of swaddles you could buy one of each one because maybe they'll like this one and it's like you can make yourself exhausted but then you are lost as what you two are talking about the joy of actually bringing a human into the world and just simplifying it and being like i'm focusing on you and our relationship and how i'm feeling and my relationship with my spouse or my partner or whatever rather than like let's get the stuff that will help us and make us all happy and we'll fix our baby and we'll make it stop crying you know and i'm I'm not trying to probe personally into you guys but do you guys have you've talked a little bit about with your mom do you guys have significant others or kids or other other relationships that you have to, you know, kind of navigate the, you know, the, 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 the products you have with them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have a wife. Uh, we've been together uh, eight years now. And when I first met her, she certainly wasn't a minimalist. I think she had about, you know, 60 pairs of shoes. Mm-hmm. And we moved in with each other. And, you know, she got rid of some of those, not because I asked her to, but because she really understood where I was coming from. She respected my lifestyle. She loved me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with those relationships, with any relationship, that's really what we want, right? We want to be loved. We want to be understood. We want to be respected. 
and she also saw the benefits of living a more simple life because you know you can't you can't make someone be a minimalist you can't convert someone to a minimalist i don't even think that's possible but what you can do is live by example you can show the benefits of, of living with less and that really transfers over to other people's lives in our most important relationships i think the number one way to show someone that less is better is to make them move yeah because the, it, it's <laughs> yeah. literally so every item to confront all of your things yeah exactly every item makes it exponentially worse yeah just having to pack it up and move it and find a new place for it and everything it just makes you feel like i wish i didn't own anything I wish I was a bear in a cave. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's probably the biggest right. turning point for when people decide, Absolutely, like, yeah. I'm going to get less stuff is because they move. Yeah, they move, and they're just like, why do I have so much shit? Like, well, there's, this so is... many, like, there's so many little drawers in your house that you never, ever open or you never go through. So you own so many things that you don't even know that you own just because there's so much space. You put it somewhere, you forget about it, it'll be 15 years later and you'll be like, oh yeah, I remember this thing. Oh yeah, that's the stuff that when I was pregnant and on my like getting rid of stuff craze, I just would open those drawers and yep. literally just dump everything in a garbage bag. I yeah. like, wouldn't even look at it. Absolutely. I'm just like, haven't even... The junk drawer. Yeah, not uh, no point in going through this. It's not bringing me any sort of happiness yeah, or no. adding to my life and in any way. If I need it again, I can buy this 75 cent, you know, like this one match that fell out of a box and I don't even know where the matchbox is <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. I can get a new matchbox if I need one. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you right. so much. Yeah, oh. In the new book, we call it the uh, 2020 rule. It's uh, the just-in-case rule is another way to look at it. We hold on to so many items just in case yep. we need them. Yes, we but, know. of course, we never end up actually needing those just-in-case items. Anything that I'm holding on to just in case, I can let go of for less than $20. And, 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 or I can replace it for less than $20. And I can, of course, uh, do that within 20 minutes of wherever I am. The key to that is you actually never end up having to use the rule, but it gives you permission to let go of tens of thousands of items. Back to the point about the, the moving. Whenever you move, you're forced to confront all of your things. We took 47 families in this new book, Love People Use Things, and we had them go through a packing party experiment where they literally boxed up all their possessions as if they were moving, and then over the course of 21 days, they unpacked only the items they needed. And they learned a whole lot because you've got to imagine at the end of those three weeks, a lot of people still have... 60, 70, 80%, 90% of their stuff sitting in boxes, yeah. and they couldn't even remember what was in most of those boxes. And it's quite the lesson, because we're moving, we're confronting all of our stuff, but really what we're doing is we're just moving junk from one, one trash heap to another. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. And the book, again, is called Love People use things because the opposite never works thank you joshua and ryan thank for you. coming on thank you both appreciate you have yeah. a good day wow hard out means there hard you. out yeah and <laughs> bye um are we should we do are a we commercial are we or are we yeah where are, are we, we at with time are we still on or uh i mean we're at the end of this hour yeah, oh, but are, well, are we right. still on right now, or are we? Off? Yeah, we are. We're on. Oh, okay, <laughs> they were. They left, but we're still on. But we'll we will take our break between. Yeah. Why not? Because we can have sh little bit shorter episodes. Because you know. Because no one showed up. <laughs> Nobody is here other than Mike Bryan. Thank God. Okay, we'll yeah. take a break, and we will be back.